0: Welcome back to Scene and Herd for this week. We have Paul Sears up back on the podcast. He is going to give us a PRB update. Next up, we have Tiffany Labanola of Everag with the market update.
1: Hi, folks. Hope you had a great week. We had a lot of reports in the dairy space to digest as the week, uh, short week at that uh, went along. Tuesday, we got a global dairy trade event out of Oceana. The auction was a little bit higher um, on most indices, milk powder was lower, which is their main staple. China was back buying a little bit more volume, so that was slightly encouraging, though Middle East volumes fell off dramatically from the event prior. So not a lot of uh, shakeup out of that event. The big report came on Wednesday when we got January's milk production report, and it landed weaker than anticipated. So the report was viewed bullish. U.S. milk supply contracted 1.1% year over year, Um, that was quite a bit higher than our model, which was closer to a half a percent. That was the largest pullback we've seen since 2022. Uh, Cow numbers were off sharply, 23,000 head reported by USDA for the month. I would say that was a little surprising given light slaughter activity, but definitely speaks to the impact of fewer heifers in the system. I think it also highlights the breakdown uh, in New Mexico, with 10,000 of those head uh, removed there alone. Um, so, the kind of continuing trend. Some notable changes in regional data. Uh, California actually fared a little bit better than we had been for the last f- several months. We were down just 0.1%. Uh, we had pretty mild weather in January, so probably tied to that. The Northeast flipped from positive to negative and the Mideast came in flat following pretty strong growth last year. Meanwhile, uh, declines in the southwest area continued to accelerate. I don't have the cold storage report that will be issued here today as of recording on Friday. All eyes will be on what butter inventories do uh, after the surprise came the prior month. Uh, Typically, we build inventories in both December and January. December, we did not, so eyes will be on whether we can pick up speed for the month of January. Uh, the trade will also be looking at what happened to cheese stocks or inventories during the month. We had a little bit better price action this week on the heels, particularly of that milk production report. Cheese moved up a bit, uh, especially near the end of the week. We closed with blocks at 155 and barrels at 161.50. Butter climbed back up to 2.85, and non-fat dry milk closed the week at a dollar
0: twenty. Pacific Gas and Electric is here to remind you that signs keep you safe. Sections of our natural gas transmission pipeline travel underground and beneath agricultural land. For the safety of you, your family, and your employees, pipeline markers are placed to indicate the approximate location of the pipe as a reminder to use extra care. Removing a pipeline marker creates a serious safety hazard. To have additional markers placed or report damaged or missing markers, please call your PGE account manager or our Agricultural Customer Service Center at 877 311 3276. To learn more, visit wwwpgecom agsafety. Remember, signs keep you safe. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at Bennett Environmental.com. Welcome back to Seen and Heard this week. We have Paul Sears back on the podcast. He is going to give us a PRB update. So, welcome back, Paul. Thank you.
2: Always great to be on.
0: Hey, so let's let's dive into the meeting. Let's uh, what's the recap? What happened?
2: There was an update um, as part of that agenda item um, on the ba- ba- Bagley Keen uh, updates. Um, the governor, during the pandemic, um, adopted a uh, executive order allowing some uh, exemptions to Bagley Keen, like meetings could be held uh, via webinar, and you know somebody can be in their home and pr- be participating in that meeting. Well, that expired in January of 2024. Um, All sites where board members are located, the address needs to be noticed and they need to be open to the public to participate from there. And so one thing they said is that all meetings will be um, in-person meetings. Now we will not be having uh, Zoom type meetings for uh, the PRB. And so, you know, that either Makes it more difficult for people to participate uh, because you may have to travel to the meeting, but uh, you probably also get a better sense of what's happening at the meeting when you could be, if you're able to be in the room. Meetings going forward are going to be in-person meetings uh, and not have a Zoom option. And so um, the, the the minutes were approved, kind of you know business as usual type stuff. Um, we uh, next agenda item, we jumped into a uh, discussion that was a follow-up to the five-year effectiveness survey. So the five-year effectiveness survey of the Quip uh, showed that you know there was a lot of dissatisfaction with the QIP, And as a follow-up to that, one of the board members um, brought up uh, an idea to tie uh, quota payments to class one revenue. So there was a whole discussion had that in 1994, the um, quota payments were set at $1.70, Uh, amount, Uh, things didn't work out as planned in that legislation, and quota payments are exceeding the Class 1 revenues and eating into uh, the revenues from other classes of milk in order to pay uh, the quota revenues. And so he had a proposal to set uh, quota payments to Class 1 revenues. It will fluctuate on a month-to-month or or quarterly or yearly basis. He was open to that, Uh, but there would be a fluctuation depending on Class 1 revenues. And also to eliminate the um, uh, adjusters, uh, the RQA adjusters, um, at the lower level, uh, everybody uh, at the lowest level, that there wouldn't be a, a regional difference in RQA adjusters or regional quota adjuster, and so uh, that sparked a, a you know a lot of discussion, um, a lot of back and forth um, on the board. Uh, One of the things is that that would require holding a referendum. So, you know, approval of all dairy producers. That was not something that CDFA could do on their own. Um, And there was a motion made uh, to request assistance from the secretary to make this happen, to make some calculations and uh, to bring it back at the next meeting. So we're going to talk about the next meeting, but this is one of those things that is likely to be uh, on the agenda at the next meeting. Um, And that passed uh, in a 9 to 3 vote uh, by members of the board uh, to, you know, ask the secretary for assistance to move in that direction. That was not a vote to make that happen. That was just asking for assistance. Um, They're going to run some numbers. And then again, you know, if they come to something, it will go out as a referendum uh, to all dairy producers to get to vote on that. I do want to add, so... Based on that board member's calculations, uh, quota payments would go to $0.96 cents, um, instead of the dollar seventy. Um, so that would be a, a big change in quota payments, and then also a big reduction in the quota assessment, um, kind of a, a compromise position. And for me, that kind of wraps up that agenda item. Um, I'm ready to move on to the next agenda item, which is uh, updating the producer list um, that CDFA gave a presentation on. Um, I'll just jump into it. So this has become a, a big issue as there are, uh, referendums and dairy producers are voting. Um, there's a question of, you know, who from my dairy gets to vote and what if it, you know, it was dad and dad's no longer part of the business. And, uh, you know, I should be the one that has the vote now because I'm running the business. And how do I update that with, uh, CDFA? Uh, they went through a you know a lengthy presentation. Um, they do update that list regularly based on information they get from quota transfers, from um, processors. Uh, you know, if you change processors, uh, they notify CDFA and CDFA takes that information. Uh, but it is important that you, as a dairy producer, um, you know, stay up to date on that and find who is eligible for my dairy to vote. And so you can check with CDFA. Uh, they provided a phone number and an email address. Um, I don't know if we can link those in the show notes, maybe. Um, dairy producers can check in with CDFA and see, hey, who for my dairy is the voting member to make sure that your vote in any referendum uh, is counted and is, um, you know, that you're eligible to vote, that the right eligible person is voting for your dairy. So I think it's an important thing, uh, kind of a procedural thing, but um, important, uh, you know, to make sure that, you know, You don't have somebody from the dairy um, signing on a referendum that is not qualified, and then your vote gets uh, tossed out and doesn't count in that referendum. Uh, There was an agenda packet that was handed out to people that attended in person. Um, It contains that presentation, for example, by CDFA about how to um, update or how they update their uh, producer list. Um, So you know the listeners can, if they want more information, can follow that link and. Uh, There's a lot of information on there. Um, There was that letter written by that board member about tying uh, total revenue to class one. Um, A lot of information. A lot of it was in writing as part of the meeting. And so if you're listening to this and um, you're interested in a particular topic and want more information, uh, it's probably in the agenda packet, which was pretty thick and uh, contained a lot of information. Next item on the agenda was that there was a uh, financial audit Uh, done of the QIP program all the way back to its inception in November of 2018. Um, I was just looking through the agenda packet this morning. They found two items. One of them was um, there were um, just under $300,000 in uncashed checks um, over three years of age um, that haven't been cashed. One of those was for uh, $134,000. Somebody brought up, you know, who forgets to cash a $134,000 check, but apparently somebody does. Uh, Most of them were for small amounts like $50, but there were a couple big ones in there. Uh, And so CDFA is going to get on that and try to uh, take care of that. And then the other one was that uh, they were waiting too long to reconcile in some cases, um, up to 122 days after the statement uh, date. And so uh, CDFA needs to stay on you know, the reconciling the statements with the bank statements or their accounts with the bank statements when uh those come. So that check was uh hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars, over one hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars, uh that's been sitting there since uh February of twenty nineteen. Um and there was another one for fifty eight thousand. And so they need to get on that and uh straighten those books out. They haven't followed up on that.
0: Yeah, those that that's huge. You're right. How did does... they <laughs> Those are big numbers to, to forget about.
2: Yeah, I, I don't see how you lose $135,000 check in your couch cushions, but I guess, you know, uh, it could happen. Uh, it wouldn't happen to me. I can assure you, but, um, I would notice that. So, um, next was a, uh, legal update. Um, and under this, um, they referred to a letter by, uh, Peter Weber from CDFA to stop quip uh, stop quip had tried to circulate a petition number seven um, and CDFA found that if they did circulate it that it would likely be rejected uh, because of the grounds that it was it was trying to um, issue a reapproval of the quip and the uh, quip allows for uh, changes to the quip or elimination of the quip but not a reapproval vote and so it was a letter stating, you know, that that would not be approved, uh, likely would not be approved, and so it just, you know, gave some information and moved forward from there. Um, next, under correspondence, uh, the new board member Jim Vieira uh, read a letter that he had written uh, to the PRB, um, stating his views on quota, um, and so everybody got updated on that and, and got um, that information. That's also in the packet. Um, Next, we we moved into a uh, confusing piece for me, Um, the uh, QuAP Financial Discussion and Equalization Fund uh, History Recap. Um, There was funds that were left over in the state pooling order. Um, And in previous discussions, uh, CDFA had said that those were mostly producer funds and that they couldn't touch them, they would require legislation um, to use them. Uh, in this one, they gave an update that they had been spending some of that money and that it was mostly processor money. Um, I think CDFA can offer some additional clarification um, in, in this uh, uh, topic. So I was confused by this, you know, because it, it didn't match what previous uh, what had been said by CDFA at previous meetings. Somebody from the audience asked, you know, so wait a minute, um, you know, you had told us that this funding requires legislation to release. And CDFA said, no, 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 that, that's still the case. That's a different pot of funding. So I'm not clear on how many pots of funding there were uh, in the previous state pooling order that got transferred or are awaiting to be transferred uh, to the QUIP. But there's some money out there. Some of it's being spent. Some of it requires legislation. I didn't understand how much of it was um, you know, in each pot and what different pots there were. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm hoping for some additional clarification at a future meeting that CDFA can be a little more clear about what the pots of funding are, uh, what the requirements are around those individual pots of funding, um, and how much is in each of those. Uh, there was a question of how much uh, CDFA should be holding in reserve, um, and you know try to keep it as little as possible, but yet have enough money to um, you know be able to run without running into any issues. And um, that you know they've spent some of that. They haven't been able. They haven't needed to. Uh, increase the assessment because they're spending some of those previous funds. And so um, that, you know, it was just uh, that, the, and then a motion was made uh, to um, set a reserve amount, to have a discussion by the board and set a reserve amount for the future. Um, there was a couple of uh, motions that CDFA uh, kind of asked to be made um, and were made. And that was one of them to have a, um, Discussion on the reserve and what it should be and that they were spending some of that Um, That was one of them Um, There was also a motion to gather uh, You know recommended by CDFA to gather additional information from the California order um, To administer the quip Uh, it hasn't been needed to date, but if there's going to be changes like tying um, quota payments to class one revenues Uh, or other things, um, any changes that would be made in the future. There's some additional information that CDFA would like. And so that information, um, there was a motion made to collect that information. There was a discussion made about, you know, don't reinvent the wheel, don't have two different government agencies collecting the same information. Why not use FMMO information? But CDFA uh, said that there was, you know, some substantial differences or, you know, small differences, but they made it, they were important. Uh, For example, there's a plant in Utah that is occasionally pooled on the California order. So the uh, USDA FMMO includes that plant in the California federal order, but this process by CDFA would not include that plant because that is not California milk, um, even though it is uh, sold here and pooled here uh, on occasion. And so uh, there are some differences and a motion was made to gather additional information, should it be needed in the future. So the next one was hardship, and this has been um, an issue with the last several board meetings. Um, The board has had to uh, address people asking for hardships and what the definition of a hardship is. Um, Originally under the state order a hardship was um, something caused by the quota program that caused a hardship, the rules of the quota program and the buying and selling of quota. Uh, For example, somebody purchased quota, and then um, there's a rule that you can't sell it within two years, uh, but you go out of business unexpectedly within the two year time period, and you need to be able to sell your quota, but there's a rule saying you can't sell your quota. Um, And so a hardship would be, you know, the quota rules that say I can't sell my quota within two years are causing a hardship on my facility something unexpected happened. I need to be able to sell my quota uh, within the two years. And the board would vote on that and decide uh, whether, you know, to allow that hardship. Well, that language didn't get carried over into the QUIP, uh, the standalone QUIP program. Um, just, it's very generic uh, that a hardship is a hardship uh, caused by this program. Um, and it didn't tie it to, you know, the rules or, of buying and selling quota. And so people have been applying for hardship saying that, The quota assessment is causing financial stress on my facility and my dairy, um, and I shouldn't have to pay the quota assessment um, under that kind of uh, definition. And so there was some discussion about that. The attorney for CDFA um, opined that the old um, rules still kind of um, are in action because it would be disruptive to uh, read it uh, verbatim under the new rules. And so uh, there was a, um, dis- uh, a motion uh, that passed by six to five to um, ask the secretary for more direction on the definition of a hardship, as well as to table uh, the 10 current hardship requests that they were dealing with at that meeting. And so uh, that is, again, uh, you have to come or got, you know they kicked the can down the road. And so the next meeting... Uh, we will be getting more into the hardship. What is the definition of a hardship, given this kind of ambiguity around it? And, um, you know, dealing with those 10 hardship requests then, I guess, in light of um, that guidance from the secretary. So um, at this point, I had to leave the meeting because um, I had another meeting at three o'clock. This meeting, the PRB meeting started at 10 a.m. and it went right through lunch. They never stopped. Uh, Folks ate, you know, while they worked. Uh, and a few minutes to three o'clock, I had to get up and leave because I had a three o'clock meeting. Uh, But I am going off of Kyle's notes. Kyle stayed and uh, took notes. Um, I was there for the beginning of this next discussion. Um, At the previous board meeting, which I did attend via Zoom, the board had made a motion to uh, request technical and facilitation assistance from the Secretary of CDFA uh, to achieve uh, a compromise position. Um, either starting from scratch or picking up um, previous work that had been done. Uh, there was some discussion about that. And at this one, because of some of the things that happened, especially the tying um, quota payments to the class one revenue, uh, the board decided that that previous motion uh, was not necessary, that the direction was to follow uh, the motion that was the first motion that was made in this meeting, tying class one payments to the um, the uh, or the quota payments to class one revenue would take the place of this uh, compromise position. And so they voted seven to three to uh, remove that uh, or, you know, to um, pull that previous um, motion and not request um, this assistance from the secretary and to focus that on um, that class one um, revenue connection to quota instead. And So they, they tabled that uh, and pulled that back. That was the end of the meeting. Um, there was discussion about the next meeting that potentially would be in April. Um, I don't believe a specific date was picked, uh, but some agenda items, as we've discussed here today, are going to be carried forward, um, like the discussion on the you know tying class one to the clo- uh, quota payments um, and the uh, hardship requests uh, we know are going to be part of the next agenda. So uh, this is kind of a process, um, and you know that, that was discussed at the meeting. Also, this isn't like a one and done thing. Um, there's government statutes and, and regulations involved, and so it, some of this moves at the at the pace of government, to the frustration of some of the folks on the board or in the audience. Um, and so, you know, it's follow uh, the next meeting and those items that were brought up, um, you know, motions that were made will be brought up at the next one and hopefully resolved, and it continues to move forward. Uh, And so just watch our newsletter. We uh, announce those meetings. And uh, if you want more information, you can follow the links in the show notes um, to uh, an update article that we put in our weekly newsletter on this topic. uh, And also the um, agenda packet, which contains uh, detailed information. If you really want more on this, uh, you can dig into the agenda packet and there is a lot more detail in there for you.
0: Thanks, Paul. I, I was just going to say that that there there's a lot of information in this podcast. And as you mentioned, it was a, a very long uh, meeting. So we, we have a hefty packet. It's up on the website. We'll have it in the show notes. Um, but yeah, it, we, we've covered it in our newsletter as well. So a lot of information moving forward. Um, thanks for coming on. We appreciate your time.
2: Yep. Always, always happy to uh, chime in and, uh, you know, update our members on what's going on.
0: Well, great. Um, Have a great weekend.
2: Thanks.
0: If you have any questions about the PRB meeting or would like to see a copy of the handout, the links are listed in the show notes below. And they can also be found on our website at wudairy.com. Are you tired of hearing that the main way to save water is fallowing? Are you tired of seeing articles about how alfalfa and corn waste water? At Common Good Water, we combine the best-in-class subsurface drip system and precision crop management services, including pest control. Our verification program qualifies for public funding, and we want to help you continue farming in California. Contact your groundwater sustainability agency and ask how you can work with Common Good Water. Visit commongoodwater.com.
1: Thank you to the Western United Dairies generous business sponsors, The Morning Star Company, Holt of California, Farm Credit Alliance, PG&E, Arata, Swingle, Van Egmond and Goodwin Law Offices, Yosemite Farm Credit, F&R Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, California Dairy Magazine, Bennett Environmental, and Common Good Water. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. While Western United Dairies respects the varied views of our guests, Please note that the opinions expressed in the Seen and Heard podcast may not necessarily reflect the positions of the Western United Dairies Board of Directors or our sponsors. If you would like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at